It is Thursday, October 27th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm A.J. Hoffman. Week 8 of the NFL kicks off tonight. And the Lakers start off the NBA season 0-4. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Philadelphia Eagles bolster their defense, getting Robert Quinn from the Bears. It was a night of favorites in the NBA. And week eight of the NFL gets underway. What is the Vegas lead, Scott? Let's start with Thursday Night Football tonight. Joining us is Steve Fezzik, the only two-time winner of the Super Contest, who has lost some more weight since his last appearance on the show. How much are you weighing now, Fez? 191.5. Very strong. All right. I'm fascinated by this game. The Ravens-Bucks tonight. Uh, the Bucks now favored. We saw a move last night. The Ravens were favored. Now the Bucks favored. So money coming in on Tampa. The Bucks minus one. So basically one-point favorites at home. Why is this move happening? Is this the right move? But more importantly, what kind of opportunities does this open up? You know, I'm going to pull back the curtain because this just happened last week in a game. Whenever the marketplace can't figure out who should be favored in a game and it's flipping around pick, I want to bet on either team teased upwards. I don't want to bet on plus one because if I bet minus one or plus one, they're not going to tie and it's not going to matter and it's probably not going to land one. But there's a real good chance it lands one, two, three, four, five, six, or seven on either side. So if you would have asked me just 36 hours ago, who do I like in this game? I would have said, oh, I like Tampa, teased up to seven and a half. Now that it looks like it's moving towards Tampa being the favorite, as soon as Tampa becomes the favorite, you know what? I like the Ravens plus seven and a half. I like the Ravens plus (laughs) seven and a half. Real important. You cannot tease to seven. You need to get to seven and a half. So don't just be teasing to a seven. The math does not work. I won't bore everyone with the gory mathematical details. The key is to catch a team plus one and a half and tease them up to plus seven and a half. Let me ask you, before we get deeper into this actual matchup, let me ask you about teasers because these long teasers this season has been an outlier. Like, it's not working. Well, so, it's because we it, it's, it's not working because the favorites are losing. So it's working, I think, when we're when you're teasing the dogs up. But I think when you're teasing the favorites down, like the New England Patriots were on Monday night, that's where the teasers are losing this season. Is that what Would you're that be seeing, Fez? Yes. So, and if you need something to pair your potential teaser with, obviously the London game, Denver plus two and a half up to eight and a half would be a qualifier. I'm reluctant to be teasing these minus eights down to minus two. Is just what Scott said that they've been so unreliable. Having said all this, you know, I'm souring on teasers just in general. And one of the reasons I don't like them nearly as well, the analytics department, the memo is out. When a team trails by 14 late in the game and they score a touchdown, if you got your teaser on the dog up to plus seven and a half, boom, you're home free. Kick the extra point. They're going to lose by seven. Mm -mm, But there ain't going to be no kicking of any extra points because the memo is out here, there, everywhere. The Philadelphia Eagles were the first team to do it. Now I would say 90% of the NFL teams, 
The other 10% are dum-dums. Correctly, go for two. So the game doesn't land seven. It lands six or eight. And that means a plus seven and a half teaser isn't nearly as good as it was just two years ago. Underdog teaser pieces that would fall in this category this week. Fez mentioned the Broncos. The New York Jets also fall into that category. The New Orleans Saints fall into that category. And the Houston Texans fall into that category. There's more. You got the the Commanders. Take them from two and a half to eight. Uh, you're right. And eight. the Rams. And the Rams as well. Rams are one and a half point dogs. Push them up north of north of the uh the touchdown mark. So there's a few options if you're looking to bet if you're looking to tease dogs up. Now ideally, if I'm already playing this this teaser, I gotta partner it up with some things. But if I didn't have a Thursday game I was teasing, I tend to like to wait on my two point dogs, two and a half point dogs, and not tease them till really right before kickoff because if those games get steamed up to three, I mathematically I'd much rather bet a plus three, lay a dollar ten, than have those teams involved in the teaser where I have to win both legs in order to cash my bet. Okay, let's talk about this matchup in particular, and let's talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I don't think anybody had three and four start to the season on their NFL bingo cards for Tampa, and really, it's it's. One and four in their last five. They mm-hmm. started out two and zero. Oh. Remember, they beat the Cowboys early, beat the Saints on the road, and it's basically been a disaster since. Their one win against the Falcons, and it certainly wasn't an impressive win. Now you're losing. Back. It was one thing when they were losing to the Packers and the Chiefs. At least at the time, losing to the Packers seemed explainable. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs is always going to be explainable. Last two weeks, though, losing to teams that we just don't think are very good in Pittsburgh and Carolina. What's the what's what's your level of concern for Tampa? How have you adjusted Tampa from the beginning of the season? Yeah, so it's almost like go to DEFCOM 5. What was that, the War Games the movie yeah. with the Whopper? The Whopper's going crazy with Tampa Bay. I have no confidence in my power rating. I have Tampa as an average team right now. I had them four points better than an average team to start the year, so I've downgraded them four points. That might be inadequate. They might be a below-average team. It's hard to say. It's one of those how big of a weighting are are you going to give preseason expectations versus what you've seen on the field, particularly the last few weeks. And then for the Ravens, it's another – I guess they're an interesting case. They're four and three. You can make a good argument that all three of their losses are games that they could have or should have won, and that that includes the Dolphins week two, Mm -hmm. the Bills week four. Yep. And then the Giants two weeks ago. Well, they only trailed. If, if you look at their first six games when they were three and three, they were only trailing by a hundred for 120 seconds. Yeah, the entire season. So they had leads in those games until the very end when they lost. And something has flipped with this Ravens defense. the The pass defense was dreadful the first few weeks. The last four games, teams are averaging under 200 yards passing per game. Hmm. And like I said, that includes the Bills and the Bengals. If you're holding Josh Allen and and Joe Burrow, even with two other teams, you're averaging under 200 passing yards, your defense is doing something right. What do we think of Baltimore now? They're running the ball. the uh, The last four games, they're the number two rushing team per DVOA. So if you just say the last four weeks, what's that? Because remember at the beginning of the season, Ravens can't run the ball. Right. What's going on? It's all on Lamar. Now they're running the ball. Are the Ravens maybe undervalued right now? 
I would have said that before this past week, and I don't like what I saw, frankly, against Cleveland, a game where the Ravens only gained four yards per play. They gave up six. I'd argue this was the worst game Baltimore's played this year. Yes, and obviously the narrative as well, the Ravens were in position to cover but then they fumbled in the red zone at the end of the game. Should have yep. won, you know, should have won by six or ten points. But before that, Cleveland really outplayed the Ravens slightly. So here's a game <laughs> the Ravens could have lost that they wound up winning. Um, I, I have the Ravens half a point worse than what I had them to begin the year. So not far, far off from where they're at. I tell you what, Baltimore and our, this is you know RJ feels strongly about this. If you're going to bet the Ravens. Look to play them in the first half. Don't, so, don't look to play them for the game. We know that Calais Campbell is out, so that's a big loss for the Ravens' defense. If Mark Andrews doesn't go, and he's questionable with the knee, if he doesn't go, what's your evaluation of the Ravens' offense? Boy, you know what? I think I would downgrade them by – it's a point too much for, no. for a tight end. No, and here's so why. Critical. Here's why. Because Mark Andrews and Rashad Bateman, who are their two best pass-catching options mm-hmm. – are both questionable and both banged up going into this game. So I, I don't think it's too much to say downgrade him a point. It, because if – I mean, God forbid they're both out. They both played last week. Neither of them played particularly well. Mark Andrews had zero receptions, which, it, like, if you look at your your box score, your fantasy team, you mm-hmm. say, what? That can't be right. And Bateman had four catches on five targets. Yeah, so – but they clearly neither one is at 100%. I don't think if if one of them were to miss, I think it's a big deal because now coverage shades to the other one, and now it's you know Devin Duvernay's done a really nice job. Don't get me wrong, but Devin Duvernay's not a, a number one target. Now I just had an epiphany. Now normally in a Tampa Bay game, you never would expect a lot of rushing yards, but it's, look, the Tampa Bay rush defense has not been what it. Carolina absolutely gashed them with. Deontay Foreman and Chuba Hubbard. Yeah. So like given, not Christian McCaffrey. Six yards a carry for those two guys. Given this, might we want to look at Lamar Jackson pass yards under 213 and a half if we're concerned about Andrews and we're concerned about Bateman and we've got a team that's suddenly vulnerable to the run and Baltimore runs the ball very well. 213 and a half seems like an awful high number. That makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. Did you see what Jason Pierre Paul said uh, that he wants to show the the Bucks, what they're missing, what they don't have, you know, because they, they didn't bring him back, and, and so now he's uh, playing with the Ravens this year. Yeah. So it's kind of like taking it personal. Maybe he's going to get after Tom Brady. Good. Well, listen, the Ravens, <laughs> early in the season, the Ravens were getting a ton of pressure and no sacks. Mm. Now the last few weeks they're getting sacks. Things are changing for the Ravens. I like what this Ravens defense is turning into. Um, I'm, I'm their their pass defense I mentioned has been better, but they they've done a good job against. Not that the Bucks are going to run. Let's face it, the Bucks don't run, and if when they do, it's it's not with great success. Uh, Sharps are on Leonard Fournette under 51 rush yards. That's a a hitman preferred play. Can I say that? Sure, why not? Hitman, if you're selling it, I'm sorry. Well, and let's talk about. I, I know you've uh, Scott, you have a personal. Uh, vendetta against the Ravens right now with their choice of running backs because it costs you a fantasy football game. Absolutely. I, think I started Kenyon Drake <laughs> after the 119-yard performance two weeks ago, and he barely saw the field. It was the Gus Edwards show. Because last week was the Gus Edwards show. In his first game back from the ACL, you would think that, hey, let's take it easy with this guy. Nope. Not the case. Well, he was having some success. They said, let's let's keep it rolling. But yeah, here's the question. Yeah. Do, do we trust either one of these running backs to hit a, a prop 
or is it better to just stay away until we figure out what the workload situation is going to be like? Because it feels this feels to me very much like Tampa a few years ago, where it's like the, one running back has a big day, and you're like, that's their guy now. Mm. And then the next week he gets two touches and James White gets 40 touches. The, the only and then the is, next week it's Rex Burkhead or some other bummy running back getting all the touches. The thing is that – so Drake did carry the ball 11 times. He just only got five yards. Right. Because uh, he was How stopped, is that possible? He stopped in the backfield every time. He got a couple of losses. Um, Gus Edwards – 16 carries, 66 yards, and two touchdowns. He got the goal line carries. You know what would be cool is the yards after contact actually see like a minus number by a player. (laughs) And Justice Hill actually got five carries for 26 yards. So a crowded backfield now uh, there in Baltimore. Man, it just – I don't – I'd like to play a rushing prop, but I don't think I can because I don't know what the distribution is going to be here. And against the Bucs defense, even though they did get – eaten up last week, you would think that it would be a point of emphasis this week to stop the run. The You know what? I, and RJ and I kind of butted heads on this last week on the Dream Preview. The Bucks' rush defense is not what it's been the last several years. It's the weak, it's the weak link of their mm-hmm. defense right now. Mm-hmm. And last week it really, like, the everything got exposed. Like, it was just, they're not very good. So and, I'd rather have, I'd rather have Lamar over rushing. Than a, than a running back? back. Yes. You I know Lamar is going to run. Because the you know play, Lamar, if the you, script plays out according to Hoyle, well, you e, win. E, if Going into a game, all things equal, you know Lamar is going to run a couple of times. Hmm. Now if he's trailing in a game and has to pick up a couple of late first downs, you know there's extra motivation to run. So I, I just think you're always safe playing a Lamar over. I, I'm going to go extreme. Any Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night, I want to play the quarterback rush yard prop over because why do quarterbacks not run the ball more? It's it's effective for the team because they can get injured, and they know they can't do that each and every well, game Lamar's that they play. Have extra rest after this game, so why not run it all out now? And on the national spotlight, yeah. why not shine? That's what I would do. Let's talk about what we're seeing with Tom Brady this year because the narrative you'll hear is, well, Brady's he's done. He's lost a step. PFF has him as the sixth-graded quarterback who's taken at least 20% of the dropbacks. There's one surprise on this list, but I'll read you the rest of them. Josh Allen, one. Patrick Mahomes, two. Andy Dalton, three? Yeah, that is surprising. That's that's odd. Uh, Geno Smith, four. Jalen Hurts, five. Tom Brady, six. I'll just close it out. Joe Burrow, seven. Lamar Jackson, eight. But, like, do we still feel like Tom Brady is an elite quarterback the way he's playing this year. So our composite score here at pregame.com, when we combine PFF and the ESPN QBR, we have Brady eighth in the league. And I think something to consider is most of this season, he was without Chris Godwin. He was without Mike Evans. He's got those guys now. So theoretically, he should be playing his best football right now. If he was practicing more with those guys instead of going to weddings, does Evans drop some of those passes that he dropped? <laughs> I mean, just the familiarity of the... Was Mike Evans at that wedding too? Jeez. <laughs> I think Mike Evans stayed out late. Ooh. Late the night before last week. Woof, what a drop. But yeah, it's it's hard to... Because every, I think everyone's made this mistake before. I, I know you have, Fez. I know you've been guilty of this. I don't know about you, Scott. I've done this at some point in my radio career, said this is the moment where Tom Brady 
the father time has caught him. Yeah, He's saying course. it for eight years. Yeah. yeah. And every and time. I was right about every other 37 <laughs> to 39 year old. You but, know, if I, I was Russell Wilson's 34. He's washed. Um, Matt, you know, Matty Ice is yeah. done. But every time we've said that about Tom Brady, we've ended up with egg on our face. He's an alien. Is this the time, though? Like, Yes. Okay. Are you just saying that because you know it's going to happen eventually and it's a safe time to I'm say it? I'm hot committed. i got to just keep saying it so I can be right one. What do you think, Scott? I can't see after everything that he's been through this season. I, I just can't see all of a sudden the, 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 the switch flipping and him becoming the Tom Brady that we all remember. AJ, how old are you? I'm 42. All right. Three years from now, you thinking quarterback in the NFL team? Absolutely not. There you go. How's your shoulder feel? <laughs> it's I, I need uh, I need a serious shoulder reconstruction surgery. How about your so, leg? I uh, just had a, a reconstructive surgery, and that's without three hundred pound guys falling on you weekly. Uh, you don't know anything about my personal life. <laughs> <laughs> so it just doesn't look right. I mean, seeing how you know Tom, he looks thinner than Fez. It does. Podium, it's know? funny when when RJ was saying his face looks sucked in and his shoulders look slumped. I was like, "Are you talking, talking about, about Tom Brady? Brady? That's what he yeah. looks like." <laughs> it, it is what Brady looks like, though. I, I just I think that this season's only going to get worse for Brady. I really do. Well, to me, I, I'm I'm buying into the Ravens. I know last week they didn't look good. I thought the Ravens were good coming into the season. I had some concerns the first couple weeks, especially with their defense. Mm. It feels like they've gotten that figured out, and now they're running the ball well. This feels like a good recipe. You keep Tom Brady on the sideline. You control the clock because the Bucs cannot control the clock because the Bucs can't run the ball. I'm surprised this is flipping to Tampa as the favorite. I, I got, I got, I got to be honest. I, I am looking forward to teasing Baltimore it might in this just game. Be, it might just be the injury news. It might just mm-hmm. be no Calais Campbell and maybe, no Mark, maybe no Mark Andrews. What's the best number we could get on the Ravens? Do you, like By kickoff, what's your, what's your guess? One and a half. Okay. So... I, that I mean, means we can tease. Yeah, it. I mean, it's, yeah, it it saves you ten cents because if you want to tease six and a half points, it's going to cost you minus one thirty. If you can tease just six, minus I, I, I got I got to be honest. I may well tease up to eight. If I if if it closes one half, I might play them in a six and a half point teaser. I tell me what the advantage of that would be. The eight is becoming so much more common in the NFL. We're seeing, but you got to make sure that it's a teaser. It's a push. That's teaser. Right. That's right. And by a push teaser, what we mean is that if you have a you you can't have a book grade it if the teasers lose. All right. Ideally, you want to play a William Hill here in Las Vegas, where if you have a win and a tie or a loss and a tie, you get your money back. That's ideal. But it's acceptable as long as the book says, you know, what, if you got a winner and a tie, then it gets graded as a tie. But if you got a loser and a tie, it also gets graded as a tie. Can I ask you about that the, the, that push teaser? Does that apply if you do a three leg teaser? No. Great question. If you play a three or more team teaser it reverts sometimes I'll back do, to the two-teamer. Because sometimes I'll do a three-leg plus 150. Yeah, you need plus 160. The three-leg, yeah. the, the, the six-point, three-leg three, uh, teaser, you want plus 160. It's readily available. Shop yeah. enough books. Now, there's some books that only pay 140, all right, like South Point. Don't play at the South Point. <laughs> play it. Play at a place that, pays, that doesn't short pay So you. if you push and then it'll – if you push and then let's say win one lose one, you lose. You lose. Yes, but if you win win push, it it gets paid like a two teamer. Gotcha. And yes. the great two, question. The two point thing makes a lot of sense in this game, particularly because Baltimore goes for two more more often than the average team. 
If you remember last season, it was every other game. They, they were yeah. a half a two-point conversion attempt per game, which I find odd considering you've got the best kicker who's ever walked God's earth on your team, why you would ever want to go for two unless you had to. Mm-hmm. But the Ravens... I, well, I think having Justin Tucker makes them more likely to go for two because they know they can make up those points by kicking a 65-yarder and they don't have to get it all yeah, the way down right. into like a good the point. 30 or 20 to kick a field goal. They know that if a drive stalls at the 40-yard line, they can still kick it. And just, um, I, I haven't researched the Tampa Bay kicking game, but in general, any Baltimore game, if they have a props, for instance, on longest field goal or who's going to have the longest field goal, it's it's always Baltimore or nothing, and it's always over 47.5 or nothing in terms of the longest field goal. Now, is this game – well, th- this won't be affected by weather, right? There's no weather in Tampa this weekend? There's no weather I'm aware of. Okay. Uh, so if I were to say best bet on this game, you're going with the – the Lamar Jackson underpassing? Lamar Jackson under 213 and a half. I like that. Yards. I like that. All right. That's Steve Fezzik. We appreciate you always stopping in, previewing Thursday night football with you, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you guys for having me. A little bit of NFL housekeeping. The Philadelphia Eagles acquiring veteran pass rusher Robert Quinn from the Bears yesterday. An already good defense. AJ gets a little bit better, a little bit deeper with Robert Quinn. Yeah, and I'm curious to see how Robert Quinn, how how his game changes now playing with, with better players around him because this is by far the worst season to date for Robert Quinn, uh, a 43.8 PFF grade. Oof. This is coming off a 69.9 last season and the, the lowest of his career would be 57.4. So this is like a massive outlier how how bad he's played. I think you put him in the middle of this Eagles defense, which is already thriving, you, you might have a, a special something here. And yeah. I think what's also key is the Bears are picking up the tab for this. Yeah. I think this is good because you could get a reinvigorated Quinn, right? So he's motivated now. He's playing on an undefeated team that's a Super Bowl favorite. But also – he probably won't have to do too much. He's probably only going to play third downs. You know, they'll bring him in, in in specific pass rush situations, and so I think maybe you'll get the best version of him because he's not playing as much. I think that's a good point. Yeah, I, and listen, it, it, with the Bears, he was the guy. He's the, he's the guy yeah. who everybody was looking at like, hey, you got to lead this team. I think in Philadelphia that won't be the case. No. He's going to be part of a rotation, and, and listen, when guys like that, are part of your rotation, you know you've got a really good defense going. Elsewhere around the league, and I guess let's stay in the uh, NFC North, uh, going from Chicago to Green Bay. Yesterday on SOVAM, we talked about Aaron Rodgers' comments on the Pat McAfee show about how players are making too many mistakes and the players that are making mistakes shouldn't be playing. Well, he said that, that nobody on the team has had a problem with anything that he has said. Nobody on the team has said anything about it. (laughs) Listen, I think everybody on the team knows that they're struggling. So they hear that and they say, yeah, you know what? He's got a point. We could all be playing better. Here's Here's the disconnect, though. If some wide receiver or some defensive back went on a show and said, listen, everybody on this team could be playing better. You know, there's guys not pulling their weight and they somehow insinuated that it could possibly be Aaron Rodgers. I don't think it'd go over that well in the locker room. Here's what A-Rod had to say when he was asked to clarify 
his comments if he chose to. Again, I don't think it should be a problem to any of those guys uh, to, to hear criticism. Uh, we all hear criticism in our own ways, and we all got to, you know, be okay with it and take it in, process it, and if it doesn't fit, then it doesn't fit. But if it fits, we gotta we gotta wear it and improve on those on those certain things. Again, I, I said it. I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna be a robot up here. You know, I don't, I don't understand why people have a problem with uh, things that are truthful. Um, you know, I'm calling things the way I see it. People don't think I need to air that stuff out. That's their opinion. But I'm doing what I think is the best interest of our guys. And I've tried a lot of different things from a leadership standpoint this year. And you know, I was just relating my personal feelings in the situation. I didn't call anybody out by name. Um, I think we all need to, to be on the details. And that includes me. If I need to have, you know, one-on-one -on -one extra conversations with those guys during the week, then I'm going to do that. That's all fine and good. It, this is just stuff that you don't expect from leaders of football teams. How many times do we hear about stuff going on in the – Tampa Bay Bucks locker room. You don't. Or before that, the New England Patriots locker room. You don't. There's never finger pointing. It's th this guy's not doing enough. This guy's not doing enough. It's always we as a team have got to improve. Like it, once you start singling out players or you like any even you if you're not naming names. Yeah, you can do it without naming players. names. You yeah. can say, "Well, we got to get if these guys can't do it, we're going to have some young guys do it." Like there's going to be people who are like, "Wait, he's talking about me." Yeah. When you you say the way a leader at least as far as I can as far as I'm concerned, the way for a leader of a football team to talk is to say we as a team have to do things better. Mm -hmm. We as a team have to have to stop letting the simple things become difficult. Once you start individualizing things, it makes it feel like even though he says that includes me, it almost feels like you're saying it's other people besides me. When you say we the team, that means all of us. And I, that's how it should have been said, in my opinion. And just saying that guys need to sit and other guys need a chance. Well, who's he talking about? Is he talking about guys on the practice squad that he thinks yeah, should be playing? Like, does he think uh, the fact Travis that, Fulgham should be playing more than you know, Romeo Dubs? I don't the, know. The fact that this now becomes a question, yeah. and, and you know it's questions in the locker room. Like, is he talking about me? Is he talking about him? Who's he talking about? That's not great for team morale. I, I don't like what the Packers are doing. I don't like what Aaron Rodgers is doing. I honestly I haven't liked what Aaron Rodgers has done for the last you know eighteen months. But right now it just it feels about as gross as ever. All right, three games on the college football slate tonight, and believe it or not, we've got some decent some decent teams going tonight. Like it's not all a bunch of uh, scrubby dubby teams. There's two top twenty five teams in action on. A Thursday. I like that. How about that? And let's start with Virginia Tech plus 13 and a half at number 24, North Carolina State, who will be without the services of Devin Leary for the rest of the season. Yeah, Jack Chambers against Syracuse in their last game, 18 of 30 passing for only 160 yards, did not throw a touchdown or an interception. He did carry the ball, though, 19 times for 58 yards. Not sure what to expect from Jack Chambers tonight. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I'll be honest. I expect interceptions because that's what he did at Charleston Southern <laughs> over and over and over again. Uh, 23 interceptions in two seasons at Charleston Summer, uh, Charleston Southern. This feels like against Syracuse, he didn't really get punished. 
there's a guy who's sloppy with the football. And there's not a lot to like about Virginia Tech. I'll be the first to say it. This is a team that's gotten blown out by but really some some bad teams. Think about it. They got blown out by West Virginia. Mm-hmm. They got blown out by Pitt. Those are games that against teams that you shouldn't get blown out of if you're even like a competent team. I don't think Virginia Tech's very good, but I certainly don't trust North Carolina State to cover two touchdowns with Chambers throwing the ball to the other team. You want to talk about not taking care of the football? That's Grant Wells, the Virginia Tech yeah, quarterback. no doubt, no doubt. Seven interceptions this season, 13 interceptions at Marshall last year. This guy's a turnover machine, AJ. And this is against the North Carolina State defense, who is, for ACC standards, elite. And I think by national standards is is very good. It's a game that makes me want to play the under. Mm. But I do worry, again, about... The turnover situation. If these guys are putting teams in in short fields, it's almost like that A and M Alabama game a couple weeks ago, where Bryce Young sits out. Alabama gives gives a couple turnovers away. There's short fields for A and M, a team yeah. that had no business scoring points, is able to score points because they're put in a, an easy position to do it. So it's probably a stay away for me. But I, I don't think that the offenses get much done here. I got no interest in this game, to be honest. With you. If anything, I would I would lean NC State just because they're home, just because of Chambers' ability to run the football, uh, and knowing that Grant Wells turns the ball over a bunch. Let's take a look at Louisiana minus one, the Raging Cajuns at Southern Miss. Uh, listen, Louisiana gets their quarterback here, which that's uh, that's something that is. Normally, great news, right? I don't know if 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 he's it's a good thing. Fields was not very good at the beginning of this season. Louisiana's feels like they've gotten some some momentum going. The Southern Miss defense is nasty. They will keep them in a lot of games. Southern Miss is, I think, a little underrated because they had games early this season where they didn't have a quarterback, literally running wildcat early this season. Uh, I, I think that this this team is probably a little bit undervalued by the market. I have a I have a pretty sharp lean to uh to Southern Miss here. I got no feel for this game whatsoever, but it would be backing Frank Gore Jr. and Southern Miss. Okay. Let's go to the final game of the night. The Utah Utes. Did you say Utes? To what? Minus seven at Washington State. The 14th ranked Utes laying a touchdown on the road. And they're laying a touchdown on the road in a place that's tough to play. Uh, it's been it's been pretty tough on teams going into Pullman. I this is a this is an interesting game because it's two defenses that are very strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think this is an under game. If anything, I don't want to lay a touchdown on the road with Utah. I, I think that both these teams are scrapping for points all night. So if anything, I, I like the under in this game. I don't have a good feel for a side. It kind of feels like a twenty seven twenty type game with Utah, like pulling it out. Um, Keep in mind, Utah still has their season ahead of them. Yeah. If they win out, they will go to the Pac-12 championship game because they'll be a one-loss team in the Pac-12. Their only loss was to UCLA. They would have a win over USC and a win over Oregon. So they're in control of their season. Win out, and they go to the Pac-12 championship game. I like to back teams that still have that hope and that motivation. Now, if they 
suffer a hiccup here or, or somewhere down the line, which I don't think they will, then we'll talk about a different situation. But right now, I, I got to believe that coming off of that USC win, a little bit of time now to, to, to rest up, I think Utah, with their season ahead of them, comes out strong here. Yeah, and I should have said that total in that game is 55 and a half. Um, yeah, I think you're right. And I think that there is something to Utah being a team that, that still feels like, despite the loss to Florida to start the season, despite that loss against UCLA, they've still got some goals in front of them. The win over USC was huge. If, if they lost that game, I don't know how I'd react to this Utah team the rest of the year. And I think for for Washington State, who, let's face it, is normally a team that we're saying, ooh, they're trying to get bowl eligible. But here's here's the facts of it right now. They're 4-3, and three, and after this game, it's Stanford. Win. Arizona State. Probably a win. Arizona. Win. And then their rivalry game against Washington. So it feels like even if they lose this game, they've still got a really good shot at six wins. It'd be really hard for them not to get to six wins at this point. So, again, I'm with you. I just uh, A touchdown in that environment, it's just too much for me to lay. Yeah, I just – low-scoring game, going to be a one-possession game probably. When I say low-scoring, think about this. USC, who plays in track meets every week, Mm -hmm. that was a 30-14 to game. 30 to 14 against Washington State against State? Washington yeah, State. Yeah, yeah. The only team that's really like put on uh, put on the the boat race is Oregon, who Oregon might sneakily have one of the best offenses in the country. I think they're the best team in that conference. Yeah, uh, it's it, I won't argue it. So, uh they're certainly the best offense. Well, you know what? They were USC, but they yeah, they may be the most complete team in that conference, but that's the only team that's really put it on Washington State. Utah is not an explosive offense. I don't see a situation where they can just like run up the score on this team. I do see them, though, just limiting Washington State's offense to, to almost nothing. That's a fair point. I think Cam Risen will probably have a decent night. Uh, he'll run the football a little bit. And this, to me, it feels like a, a Utah win, but I have no, it's not like I'm strong enough that I'm laying the touchdown. I'll say this first time in a long time that I am probably watching Thursday night NFL over college football. There's been a lot better college football of late. Uh, there's actually a good Thursday night football game tonight, though, with the NFL. So my, the big TV will be on uh, the Bucks and the, and the uh, Ravens. A fun night in the association last night. Favorites dominated the way, AJ. You want to talk about, like, win, not just winning, but covering big spreads? Cleveland, nine-point favorites. They covered. You had uh, Chicago, seven-point favorites. They covered. Minnesota, nine-and-a-half-point favorites. They covered. Do we have to keep going? Sure. Utah, eight-point favorites. They pushed. <laughs> it was, what, was the rec- what was the record for the night? Seven and three. Seven and three on the favorites last night. It was, it, was a, it was a night of favorites in the NBA, and one of those favorites was the Milwaukee Bucks, who beat the Brooklyn Nets 110-99. Steve Nash got tossed in this game. For the first time in his coaching career. Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant were high-fiving about it. <laughs> just, That's a made-up story. Just I don't, out, I yeah, don't yeah. think they were high-fiving. They were excited, to, they, they were excited <laughs> to see somebody else on the bench. McKenzie, uh, Kevin Durant, 33 points. Kyrie, 27 points. But that was about it from the Brooklyn Nets. This is a team now that's 1-3 on the season. Is there concern for the Brooklyn Nets? Yeah, entering the night, they had the second worst net rating of any team in the league. Only the Pistons were worse. 
I'm going to say this is about the Bucks, though. Strength of schedule-wise, the Nets, great team against the Grizzlies. The Pelicans better than we expected. They lost to the Bucks, a really good team. But this is about Giannis Antetokounmpo. Now, 6-0, and straight up in ATS the last six times. He's played against the Nets and Kevin Durant. Look at this stat line. 43 points, only took 25 shots. This is the best player in the world, at least the best forward in the world. He just... He separated himself. He stiff-armed Kevin Durant tonight. No question about it. He's a step above at this point in their careers. You know, I look at the Nets, and I, I just think that this is not a playoff contending team. The, who's, their, who's their third piece that's helping out Durant and Kyrie Irving? And don't tell me it's Ben Simmons. Yeah, it's rough. It's slim pickings. They, uh, they don't have anybody. That's and, why I say this is about, I mean, they're worse than the Bucks. The market said they were worse than the Bucks. They're probably... Far worse than the Bucks. Joe Harris missed a lot of last season, was an important piece for them. They don't have it. They have two players that are playing at an above-average level. Ben Simmons, four points, seven shots. Uh, that's not the guy they traded James Harden for. Oh, the Nets shot below 40% for the night. 25% from three, 39% from the field. Not Entering a, the not night, the Bucks look. had the best defense in the league by far. It's going to be a little bit better after a strong showing again. Yeah, really, really strong performance by the Bucks. Are the Bucks the best team in the league in your mind? No. I mean, they're, it's impressive that they're doing it without their second best player, arguably, in Chris Middleton. Um, I mean, I got to tick them up. They were a point worse than the Warriors and the Clippers entering the season. They got to be narrowing that gap. I'm not sure if they're the best, but they're right there. All right, let's talk about another team who's been off to a rough start. The Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, this was it. It felt like you know they got they got off the Schneid. They start out 0 and 3. Everyone's like, oh no, what's wrong with the, the Sixers? They get a win, and then they're right back to their losing ways. What are you seeing with these Sixers? What's the uh, what's the disconnect with this team right now? After the first two games, they're 0 and 2. I said the. Shining light, the silver lining, is James Harden's playing well. However, Embiid's playing poorly, so maybe there's a power struggle there. Didn't seem like a coincidence to me that Harden returned to his MVP level and Embiid fell off. Well, we continued that tonight. Embiid looks like an MVP again. 12 for 17, 31 points. Consistently strong against Pascal Siakam, a little rivalry there. Shows up every time they, they match up. James uh, Harden, though, 18 points. You know, he was going 30 a game when, when he was really revved up. I feel like... Uh, you know, maybe it's a coaching change because they got to get those guys duck, dovetailing a little bit better. I think that's going to happen. Uh, these two teams play again on Friday. Would be back the Sixers. Yeah, I mean, worked out with uh, the Wolves. We were talking about that revenge spot. Generally, early in the game, you want to bet on these revenge spots. It's, it's consistent over over the course of NBA history. It's just something you want to bet on. Worked again last night with the Utah Jazz as well uh, after the Rockets won in Houston. Uh, Jazz 109-101 winners at home against the Rockets. Uh, let's talk about the L.A. Lakers, who fell last night 110-99 to the Denver Nuggets. And Russell Westbrook, no Russell Westbrook, didn't seem to matter. The Lakers hung around for a half. Uh, really, things got away from them, though, in the third quarter. They need more guard play. I said this, they needed Buddy Heald or Terry Rozier or somebody else because, yeah, without Westbrook, you didn't have a point guard that's playing under expectations. That means LeBron James had to do everything. He was the point guard, nine assists, but eight turnovers really was the reason they lost the game. Yeah, that's tough. Like, it, it, I mean, in a way, that's a, it's obviously a bad stat line for LeBron, eight of 21, eight turnovers. But you're right. When there's nobody to handle the ball, now you're asking LeBron to be, like, the main facilitator, the main scorer, play, play defense. Like, right, because Patrick Beverly, their point guard, in air quotes, is probably the least point guard of all the point guards in the league. He's more like a defensive player that happens to play that position. 
So what can, what can the Lakers do? Is there anything they can do, or is it just, is this going to be? It feels like at at this point in their careers, LeBron and AD can't afford a lost season. It's true. I mean, they can't blame the coach. They just did that last year, and everyone said that was ridiculous. There's nothing to do with the coaching being the problem. It's the roster construction, and that means they really can't do anything. Two draft picks that are distant in the future, nobody really wants. When Dennis Schroeder comes back, that's another point guard, another option for them. Maybe uh, Adrian Wojnarowski said that's when they're going to trade Westbrook once Schroeder comes back. Maybe that's a, 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 a ray of hope, but it's, it's slim pickings. Uh, Jokic with a pretty big night. It seems like the Lakers didn't have an answer for him on the defensive end. It's funny. We're talking about Giannis. Giannis and Jokic had the number one and number two player efficiency <laughs> ratings ever last year. They look just as good. I mean, maybe it's because it's the league of wings and guards and they're the last mm-hmm. two centers. You know, the last dinosaurs ate well is the expression. But just incredible. Historic stuff we see from these guys on a nightly basis. Yeah, Jokic, one assist away from a triple-double last night. So, uh, good performance by him. The Lakers fall to 0-4. Let's take a look at the schedule for tonight in a Thursday evening look-ahead. Just a short four-game schedule in the NBA tonight. The Mavericks will be in Brooklyn to take on the Nets. So, the Nets playing the second night of a back-to-back after losing to Milwaukee and McKenzie. The Nets are dogs here at home to Dallas. Do you agree with this line? I don't agree with it. I mean, there's two points disadvantage for being on the second night of a back-to-back. Nets have been terrible at home. Not bad. Terrible. 34 down, only 9 up. 9-34 and 34 since the beginning of last year. Historically bad at home. All that being said, I have to believe the Mavericks are four points better than the Nets. No, I have them about equal Maybe there's a Nets home court disadvantage. They were reportedly the worst selling season tickets of any team in the league of all 30, but I can't get to minus two. I mean, this open one and a half, Nets favored by one and a half. That's where I make it about. That's that's I, I got to leave it alone. The Clippers are at the Thunder. Uh, if we do not have Kawhi Leonard, any concern of the Clippers covering? I do not because they're the deepest team in the league, and this is a revenge spot. Got embarrassed as five-point favorites in the last game. Paul George... Should be there. Wasn't there last time out. I feel like the Clippers get this done. I would lean to the Clippers on the side. Are we taking revenge into consideration after Tuesday's result? I think you have to. When you get blown out as a big favorite like they did, you know Ty Lue's going to be harping on him the whole time through. The Miami Heat are at the Warriors. Second night of a back-to-back for Miami. Golden State laying seven and a half. The Warriors have played terrible defense, giving up 70 points per first half pretty much. I feel like they called it out. I feel like Draymond Green kind of took some some, uh, some heat as, no pun intended, but <laughs> they deserve it. I mean, they were playing like they just won the championship, and they didn't really care what the other team on, did on that side of the court. They were just having fun. He I feel got, like they're going to snap back with this game. He got a nice win uh, against Portland, a Portland team that had, had jumped out to a really fast start this season. Uh, is playing a Warriors team that's going to be up-tempo the next night? Is that an issue for the Heat? I think the Heat are glad that they're playing two nights in a row because they were very, very bad the first four games of the season. You mentioned their upset win over the Blazers. Actually, they closed the favorite. A lot of money coming in on them. That was their first all-in, or I should say complete, performance of the season. Mm. I feel like the guys just want to get back out there and do it again. Grizzlies at the Kings. Memphis laying three and a half on the road. This this one's tough for me. Sacramento generally has, for a bad team, has a good home court advantage, but the way the transition rule is changing the NBA. I feel like it benefits no team more than the Grizzlies and John Morant. So I got a, I, uh, 
I lean to the Kings, but I'm going to be looking to back the Grizzlies or pass those games. That's the schedule in the NBA. Let's head to the ice, AJ. A much bigger schedule than what we had last night when it was only three games and you were like, what the fuck? Well, there's there's more games here tonight. Is that uh, your imitation of me? A little bit. What the fuck? Mackenzie, how come everyone here, when they do an AJ impersonation, I'm like a, a big dope? They bob their head side to side. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm a seal. I don't understand where this is coming from. Let's dive right in. The Red Wings are at the Bruins. Boston off to a 6-1 and one start to the season. They're minus 235 favorites, total of 6.5. You know, we talked about this. AJ on uh, previous SOVAMs where we went through with the look ahead. Six and a half is becoming the standard now. Oh, I know. Across the NHL. Yeah, I'm aware. Uh, you know, there's, we, you will, you, I don't think I've seen a five and a half this season. And sixes are becoming rare. It's like six and a half is now the gold standard across the NHL for totals, where it used to be five and a half. Now we're seeing six and a halves for every game. Uh, the Canadians are at the Sabres, Buffalo minus 170. The Wild at the Senators, Minnesota minus 125. Minnesota finally played with a lead the other night, something that they haven't really done so far this season. Uh, Panthers are at the Flyers, Florida minus 210. The Blues visit the Predators, second night of a back-to-back for St. Louis, Nashville minus 160. Favorites, AJ, playing against teams. On the second night of a back-to-back, 15-7 and seven so far this season. So Predators rightfully favored over the Blues. The uh, Blackhawks are hosting the Oilers. Edmonton on the second night of a back-to-back, but they are the favorites. Oilers minus 220. Capitals visit the Stars. Dallas minus 125. The Canucks are in Seattle to take on the Kraken. Seattle minus 125. Jets visit the Kings. LA minus 145. Total of six, so not six and a half. How about that? And the Maple Leafs visit the Sharks. Toronto minus 225. San Jose, uh, not a good start to the season. Two and seven. If you like to bet on hockey, and uh, if you're like me, then you love it because I love betting on hockey. Well, and you're winning. That and helps. That does help. Like betting hockey and winning, there's no better feeling than watching a hockey game and the side that you bet on is coming through. Like when a, the, 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 the thing that makes hockey so enjoyable to watch. It's the anticipation and the letdown. That's what it is. You know, it's the buildup. Every time you, you, something's going to happen, it's like, huh? Oh. Huh? <laughs> and there's oh. a lot of that. Oh. And then, I Yeah. Me. The worst That's thing the is one. you reach over and you take a drink of your beer and you look back and a goal got scored. And you're like, what the? I've been waiting two hours for a goal. Well, uh, I've it really enjoyed the early start to the NHL uh, season here. And if you've been following along on pregame.com, uh, I'm 18 and 5 here in the early part of the NHL season. And right now we are offering a special discount on my NHL season-long package. If you use the promo code ICEICE, you know what that sounds like? Ice, ice, baby. That's right, but don't put baby in the promo code. Din, 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 din. All right, stop. (laughs) Collaborate and listen. (laughs) That was pretty good. Ice, ice is the promo code. If you want my NHL season package, I'm going to give you $50 off. What? Yeah, that's right. Man. $50 off. First of all, it's already discounted on pregame.com. Now I'm giving you an extra $50 off. So I'm 18 and 5. 
jump on board. Get the season-long package. It's going to save you so much money, and it's going to make you so much money. He's on fire. He's flowing like a harpoon daily and nightly. Will it ever stop? Yo, I don't know. But turn off the lights, and Scott glows. I'm just shaking my head now. <laughs> like, this is this is bad. I can tell you were probably like a parachute pants wearing big vanilla ice fan. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, who I was, was it? Yeah, who was it? What are you talking about? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, promo code iceice at pregame.com. You get $50 off my NHL season long package. Once again, 18 and 5 to start this season. And uh, just check out pregame.com for any package that you want to get. AJ's got great stuff on there. McKenzie's got his NBA uh, package available. In fact, we have that free contest still going on right now, the Beat McKenzie Rivers NBA contest, where listeners have a chance to go to pregame.com and win $1,000. It's free to enter. Just go to to pregame.com, click on contests, and find the McKenzie Rivers NBA contest for your chance to win a free $1,000 cash. Thanks to Steve Fezzik for joining us, previewing Thursday Night Football. What a a place we've got here. The best best basketball guy, the best football guy in Steve Fezzik, the best hockey guy. Anything less than the best is a felony. You're the best around. You stepped on my my other ice ice baby line with your best around. You ruined it, but it's fine. <laughs> I could edit it out. Okay. Love it or leave it. You better game away. You better hit bullseye. The kid don't play. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>